And we're live. Hello, everybody. Good Thursday. Uh, hope everybody's having a nice day. Everything's cool. Everything, everything's fun and fine and fantastic. I uh, have to do the show alone again. <laughs> Lone tear. Because Valeria is working. Uh, but reading through the stories today, it's kind of exciting. There's some fantastic news stories. I don't know. I don't know if the news is ever fantastic, but uh, for what I do, it's good to have interesting news stories, even if they're a bit depressing. One one thought I had today, I want to run this by you guys. I was thinking about how we, you know, because I've had this thought for a while now that the conservatives, the Republicans in America are a sort of extension of who America was in the 80s, right? Specifically with regard to the with the racial perspective. <clears throat> There's this idea in the 80s that uh, that stemmed from Martin Luther King's vision, which was that you shouldn't see a black man as a black man or a white man as a white man, but rather as a man, right? As, a, as an American, as an individual, as a citizen of the country. Um, maybe he has... A great deal of value because he's a, a good employee, or or a or a you know has strong ethics, or a good Christian, something like that. Or maybe he's a bad guy because he's a criminal, or he's a he beats his wife, or something like this, right? You you, you rate the man white or black based on his merits, his value, himself, as opposed to the race, right? That was the idea back then. Republicans still have this idea. Leftists, of course, view race very differently. They say, okay, so the um, the you know the black black people are all victims and so whatever they do is actually kind of okay like you have to kind of judge people differently and they have produced a kind of vision of america that is based on fundamental misperceptions of reality that you know there's systemic racism the police are bad we saw this in biden's speech yesterday and we saw tim scott refute this something that we'll talk about later in the show but one thing that occurred to me today was that Republicans, I think, tend to take the view, and, and I don't think that this is an exaggeration, take the view that all men really are created equally, right? We are all created equally. We, we have a, a vision of all men and, and women that is, that is everybody has to be sort of um, judged by the same standard, uh, now, that's obviously not always true when we're talking specifically about, um, you know, about gender specifically. I think that when it comes to, like, say, sports, uh, we judge men and women differently and stuff like that. But that's not really what I'm talking about. What I mean is um, criminality, ethics, uh, your ability to perform well in the workplace or in academia, uh, this sort of thing. Republicans say everyone needs to be judged equally. The left says, no, 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 no. Because of historical oppression and stuff like this, black people need to be judged uh, more favorably. So, uh, you know, uh, if a black person commits a crime, he need he, not only does he not, he shouldn't he not be judged as harshly as a white person or, or you know, ju not judged harshly generally, he should be judged, in fact, less harshly than a white person because of historical oppression. Not only should uh, black people not have to, you know, not be condemned for doing poorly in school, but in fact, they should be given um, better treatment if they do poorly, and they should be um, provided with scholarships more generously 
um, even if they don't do as well, because historical oppression, right? They, they always say historical oppression, historical oppression. So we need to treat these people differently. But here's how I think about that. Who do we treat differently in our society, generally speaking, you, typically? Uh, the people we treat differently or we hold to a lower standard, let's say, are children, right? Children. Children are not held to the same standard as adults, right? Children are expected to be inferior to adults in most ways. Animals. Animals are not treated the same as human beings, right? They're held to a different standard. They don't require the same level of comfort. They don't, they don't have to make the same kind of levels of achievement in order to be taken care of. Um, the mentally infirm, or the mentally handicapped, they're held to a lower standard than the rest of us, naturally. And according to the left, black people should also be included in that. We should also include black people amongst the mentally handicapped, amongst children, and and amongst animals, right? Th th those are all... We, they should be treated the same as animals, black people, according to the left. Because I believe, genuinely, that the left is racist. I think the left is racist. Whether you're black or white or whatever on the left, clearly leftists believe that black people are inferior and need help. And this whole excuse of, oh, historical racism, historical racism, uh, it, it certainly doesn't justify what they're doing. You need to hold people. If you really respect a human being, you hold that person to the same standard as other human beings. You don't say, oh, you get a head start because, you know what, you, you know, you're, you're a little bit, uh, we, we know you're disadvantaged. <laughs> it's such a sort of, um, what do they call it, the soft racism of low expectations? I don't think it's soft racism. I think it's I think it's straight up racism to sit there and say, oh, black people are inferior to white people. They clearly need more help. We need to we need to treat them as we treat a dog. Uh, uh, you know, oh, beautiful dog, beautiful dog. And the reason I was thinking about this is because black people are uh, leftist, especially leftist white people, especially like white middle class uh, women white women they tend to talk about black people as beautiful that tends to be how they describe black people typically they don't describe white people as beautiful and i was thinking about that like if you ran into you know a park and there was a bunch of drunk white degenerates saying all kinds of foul disturbing things and scaring children and being generally like unpleasant most people would say those people are degenerates and we don't like them and the same would go with a group of black men who were doing the same thing. Most people would say that. But there's a certain type of white liberal woman who will see the black men doing that and they'll say, oh, isn't their culture beautiful? I mean, it's, it's literally, it's like a disease, you know? It's, 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 there's this disease of we're going to see black people as beautiful even when they're doing horrible things because we think that they come from a culture or that they are a kind of people or they are somehow genetically inferior to the rest of us and therefore that's just who they are. That's how they are. And, you know, a great example of this is the knifing that occurred recently, right? There was this woman who attacked another girl with a knife and there was this attitude, you know, and obviously the cop shot and killed the, the girl that was wielding the knife. And yes, she was 16 and yes, it was tragic. But there was all these excuses that came out like, well, it's just, a, it, you know, that's just part of the culture. That's just what kids do. That's just what high school students do. They just stab each other with knives. Of course, that's what happens. It was a knife fight. 
Come on, that just that happens all the time. Knife fights. I've never been in a knife fight. And first of all, secondly, the other girl didn't have a knife. There was no knife fight. It was a stabbing, right? You can't try to normalize a stabbing and then say that the cop, you know, somehow acted in a, you know, in a racist way after saving the life of a black woman. I mean, it's but the whole thing was just so weird that they were trying to justify this knife wielding woman as just somehow okay. And I don't think that it's acceptable to say it's it's just normal for black people to stab each other. That's normal. I think that's, that's a terrible sort of, a, what would you call it? Well, again, it's, you know, it's again, it's a kind of like the, the soft racism of low expectations. We just expect black people to stab each other now. Come on, guys, black people, black people should be seen by white people and by themselves as what, what class? Human beings, right? They're human beings. And in America, they can be held to the same standard as all the other human beings that live here. There's no special exemption because they're black. That's like the weirdest. It's the most racist idea I could possibly imagine. Like if I was writing a book about a, and I had a racist character, this is the kind of thing they might think, right? Well, the black people are just all violent. And so it's okay if they stab each other. That's to be expected. So I don't know. <clears throat> It just kind of, I was going to tweet about this, but the idea is that, that I had was that, yeah, we know this, this just compounds how we think about it, but, um, you know, Republicans are genuinely the not racist party, right? And Democrats are the racist party. And the way they get away with saying they're the not racist party is they keep saying that, uh, you know, that, well, we're fighting racism by pumping all this money into this research and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, all right, so at my the woman that compiles my news articles is writing me right now, and and uh, she said, um, although stabbing people is wrong, it's okay if you do it because you're delicate. <laughs> I thought that was quite funny, uh, but she uh, she has insisted upon one of my stories, and so Ashley, I will be covering that story because you insisted upon it. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have otherwise, but it is a good story. So, uh, with that said, let's get to it. Sorry again that Valeria's not here, but before we get into the news, let's play the intro. I am toxic, Valeria, my wife, is masculine, and together we are the least professional show on YouTube. We are Toxic Masculinity. Toxic Masculinity. All right, so let's read the first story. In fact, I don't know where I have that document. Uh... Is that it? Yeah, there it is. Okay. So, uh, I did not set up things for... There we go. Let me fix that. Give me one second. All right. There we go. That's what I'm looking for. Okay, guys. Story number one. Trump says he'd consider Governor DeSantis as a 2024 running mate. Ooh, I love this. Now, I haven't read this story, guys, so it's... I'm, I'm as excited as you are to read about this. Let's have a look. Trump says Florida Governor DeSantis would be considered as a 2024 running mate. Now, not only do I think he should be considered, I, I don't understand why he wouldn't just be the choice, right? But, you know, it's one of these things where even if you, you know, there's, it's a long time until 2024, first of all. There could be somebody else, some, some other superstar that emerges that's better than DeSantis. DeSantis could, DeSantis could undergo some kind of like a scandal or something like that. Who knows? Um, 
And also, you you just don't announce who your running mate is going to be this early on. I mean, you wouldn't do it. You got to wait until just the right moment. Then you announce it and you get some press out of it. But it's nice that he's giving that hint because we all love Governor DeSantis. What an awesome dude. Okay, so Trump revealed on Thursday he is 100% thinking about running for president again in 2024 and would certainly consider Florida Governor Ron DeSantis as his running mate. You know what I was thinking the other day? So yesterday we had that Biden speech to Congress that I think approximately 10 Americans watched and they were all Republicans because <laughs> we all wanted to just report, you know, do YouTube shows about how, how what a moron uh, Biden was. But Tim Scott, uh, as you guys know, um, was uh, given the opportunity to refute or give the uh, rebuttal, the, the, the uh, conservative response to what Biden was saying. I forget what they call it. Anyway, Tim Scott's, response republican response was beautiful it was beautiful it was elegant it was perfect it was for whatever reason that we have this idea now both the democrats and the republicans that anytime uh our you know the the op- opposition president presents the i don't know this wasn't the state of the union i don't know what it was addressed to congress or state of the union or any of these kind of speeches um that we need to have a black person respond <laughs> We think we get a, like a little bit of leverage out of a black person responding. I think it's a kind of a silly thing. You should just get the best person to respond, right? Um, but I think in this case, Tim Scott was the best person to respond. I mean, he just did such a beautiful job. And the stuff that he said was fantastic. Um, really did a fantastic job with it. But um, despite the fact that Tim Scott, I think, was essentially the best person we had to respond, I mean, in, with regard to how well he responded, I think there's somebody who who would have had a bigger impact if we would have been able to get him to respond. And that was President Donald Trump. If we would have got Donald Trump to respond and, you know, like with a rally, like let's say you get a big crowd and they're all cheering and Donald Trump has his response to, to Joe Biden thing and that's the official GOP response, holy cow, we would have just made Joe Biden look like a total fool. I mean, Excuse me, Joe Biden does that on his own, obviously. But Donald Trump could have really um, poured rocket fuel onto that fire. You know what I mean? Like, just imagine had that... I mean, imagine the response to Biden got a bigger audience than Biden's initial address to Congress. I mean, that would have been spectacular. I I mean, and, and could you imagine the crowds? And I mean, it just would have been great. So they should have done that. I don't know why they didn't do that. That's kind of weird. I mean, of all the alternate choices, I think Tim Scott was good and he did an excellent job. But gosh, I mean, we we should have had Trump responding there. Uh, that's my thought on that. Uh, let's see here. The, the former president made the comments during an exclusive interview on M- Mornings with Maria, Maria Bartiromo, awesome, uh, on Thursday, the morning after President Biden's address to joint session of Congress. So this morning, he said this. Uh, I didn't see that show. Uh, during the most high-profile speech of the nation yet, on the eve of his 100th day in office. 100 days of complete and total uselessness. Okay. Trump noted that DeSantis is a friend of mine and a great guy. And remember, Trump lives in Florida. Uh, DeSantis is Trump's governor, weirdly. Uh, Let's see here. I endorsed Rod, and after I endorsed him, he took off like a rocket ship, Trump Trump continued. Uh, He's done a great job as governor. A spokesman for DeSantis did not immediately respond to Fox News' request for comment. Former President Trump also discussed his platform for a potential 2024 run, which he said would include projecting, uh, oh, sorry, protecting the Second Amendment, the border, tax increases, and the energy industry. Could you imagine if Trump got back in and was like, 
all right, finish the dang border wall, you know? I mean, and we, like, actually finish the thing. It's weirdly joe biden is required to continue work on the border wall that's that i think that's hilarious i love that but they're they've still delayed it they still stopped working on it because um they're degenerates they've they've said well we've organized a committee to figure out the best way forward and that's why there's a delay yeah that's why there's there's a delay okay during the uh, exclusive interview with host maria bartoromo trump blasted president biden for excluding the border crisis from his address, which is totally fair. He didn't discuss the border. Uh, the former president told Bartiromo when asked uh, what struck him about Biden's speech Wednesday night. I mean, obviously, he didn't discuss the border. He, he looks terrible. The border is like the, the worst policy thing that he's done. It's the worst thing that he's... It's the biggest scandal of his presidency so far, which is, which is saying something because Biden's a criminal. All right. Um, he didn't discuss the border with the president... Uh, Okay, Okay. Trump pointed out that tens of thousands of people are pouring into the country at a level that's never been seen before. Well, I mean, we know all this. So this is all basically just filler. It's amazing how reporters can fill an entire story with stuff that has totally irrelevant to the subject. But anyway, uh, so that's a kind of a short one. We won't go too much into that. But I thought that was news that needed to be covered and uh, brought to your attention. Yeah. Unless something goes terribly wrong or somebody else becomes a big superstar in the conservative Part, uh, you know, the Republican Party, it looks like DeSantis will probably be Trump's running mate. Who knows? Who knows? But it looks like that's possible. One thing that I think could possibly um, be a problem for Donald Trump is that Ron DeSantis is very, very uh, charming. He's very charismatic. He says what he thinks. He's a bold person. And typically, in, in my experience, I mean, if you look back through time at all the presidents and all of their vice presidents, you got people like Reagan, right? Reagan, very charismatic guy. Who's his vice president? George H.W. Bush. George H.W. Bush was not a particularly charismatic person. Now, an argument could be made that, you know, Ronald Reagan was encouraged to bring on George, w. George H.W. Bush as a, as a vice president because he was the, you know, the former head of the CIA and, he, you know, he was a kind of a swamp dweller, right? He's one of the, the deep state folks, like... You know, he was a guy that was uh, an establishment person that, uh, you know, that that Ronald Reagan maybe needed somebody like that to get the GOP endorsement, to get the the help of the establishment to become elected. Um, But nevertheless, he was still good for Ronald Reagan in the the fact that he he never could possibly overshadow him. Not a chance, you know. And then when you got uh, somebody like, I don't know. Well, okay, let's move on to Bill Clinton, right? The next president. Al Gore, again. I mean, he used to be called like a cardboard cutout. The guy was so boring. I mean, he was he was like, you could have put a cardboard cutout there most of the time and nobody would have noticed that there was a difference. He was that boring. And if you go to, you know, the, I think the only exception to this so far in all, in all the cases of my lifetime would be Kamala Harris and Joe Biden. Kamala Harris is far more, um, I think, has far more of a like a stage presence than Joe Biden does. Uh, this is why they they're constantly posting, uh, you know, stuff about Kamala Harris, and they're always slipping up and saying President Harris and saying stuff like that, right? I mean, also, I think that they expect that eventually she's going to be president, but uh, yeah, I mean, she's just got such a much more. You know, she, she's got a lot more energy. She's got such such a much bigger stage presence. She's just got a big, bigger presence generally. She's louder. 
She's more annoying. She's in, in every way. She's uh, she draws more attention than Biden does. Biden is just I mean, you know, Biden weekend at Biden's. Um, but anyway, uh, DeSantis may be a little too have a little bit too much personality. He might have a little bit too much gravitas. He might be too bright, a shining light. Um, he would never eclipse Trump, I don't think. I mean, if Trump would... See, I, like, I would encourage Trump to bring in DeSantis because it would be just like another juggernaut on his team. I mean, Trump is the biggest thing in the Republican Party since Reagan. I mean, he's huge. There's Nobody's ever going to eclipse Trump, all right? So, so you don't really have to worry about that. But still, I think that that is the tendency for a charismatic... Uh, big name like Trump, not to want to be overshadowed in any way whatsoever. That's why he picked somebody like Mike Pence, right? It's super boring Mike Pence, um, and that's and that's how that's how you know charming presidents work. They bring on boring people, right? That's why Obama grabbed Biden. Biden was, you know, styrofoam. He was nothing. You know, he was useless. So, will he pick DeSantis? I would love it if he did, did but. You know, there is that that charisma problem. DeSantis might be too good to be vice president. All right. Next story. What do we have for the next story? Let's look. I don't remember. Oh, this is my. Uh, okay, so this is Ashley's pick that she wanted to do. All right. It's a good story. It's an interesting uh, thing. And there's a lot of parallels. The reason I really want to cover this, there's a lot of parallels to what's going on in politics today. Um, so story number two, unsealed Soviet archives reveal cover-ups at Chernobyl before the disaster. Before the disaster. That's the important thing here. Uh, let's go ahead and switch. Oops, let's go. All right, so this is the, the story from the Epoch Times. Uh, unsealed Soviet archives reveal cover-ups at Chernobyl plant before disaster. Kiev, the Soviet... So now, one of the points that Ashley wanted me to make when she recommended this story. Uh, Ashley's the person that um, compiles my stories and I pick from like 10 every day to to do the news. Um, but her point was that, uh, you know, they don't, they don't like nuclear power on the left, right? A lot of people are scared of nuclear power. And a lot, like the, the major disaster they always point to is Chernobyl. Look, Chernobyl could happen again. But what it looks like is that the USSR knew there were problems with Chernobyl and they covered it up. You know, it would be very difficult to repeat such a disaster today um, because I just don't think anybody would cover up uh, something this serious. You know, you'd have a lot of checks and balances in place here. Um, it looks like we are concerned over here in the comment section has already uh, uh, already initiated or already gone in the direction I wanted to go, just like Biden cover-up, corrupt, exactly. That's the parallel parallel I was going to draw. So there's a, there's a little bit of a uh, hint for you as to where I'm going with this. All right, so let's see here. Kiev, the Soviet Union knew that Chernobyl, the Chernobyl nuclear plant was dangerous and covered up emergencies there before the 1986 disaster. The Ukraine authorities said as they released documents to mark the 35th anniversary of the accident on Monday. After a botched safety test the fourth re okay, in the fourth reactor of the plant located in what was the Soviet Union, clouds of radioactive material from Chernobyl spread across Europe, blah, 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 blah. We all know that. Okay. But the archives show that there was a, ra a radiation released at the plant in 1982 that was covered up using what was a KGB report at the time 
um, that call okay at the time called measures to prevent panic and uh, provocate rumors. The Ukraine Security Service told, uh, uh, sorry, said, said in a statement on Monday. So here's this is the part I want to really talk about. So prevent panic and prevent provocative rumors, right? Prevent panic. Okay, so this is a lot of times what we hear as an excuse from the left, right? Um, like consider what uh, um, Fauci said, right? Fauci said, uh, you know, that th- this is actually what Trump did. This is kind of what Trump did. And I don't think that Trump did this on purpose. I think that this was something that was presented to Donald Trump by his advisors. This is something that the government tends to want to do to prevent panic. And so they use this as an excuse to lie to Americans. And this is this is a fair criticism of Trump that he wasn't as serious. He didn't seem to be as serious about the uh, uh, COVID problem at the beginning of the pandemic as he did. Now, that's not to say he didn't do anything behind the scenes, right? Um, Chernobyl's completely, uh, completely different story because in Chernobyl, behind the scenes, they were also covering things up, right? They weren't fixing anything. They weren't doing anything to mitigate the problem. Um, Whereas Trump was scrambling behind the scenes to like try to stop the virus from coming to the United States. While his rhetoric to the public was this, this may not be as bad as, you know, as, as we think it will, you know, it could dissipate in the summer. But the, but the problem with that is that we tend to blame Trump for those expressions of positivity and keeping people's spirits up, when in reality, I think that was what the medical advisors were telling him, right? So it wasn't really Trump that was, Trump wasn't intentionally lying to the American people. Um, Trump was not uh, ignoring his duties there. I think he was doing the right thing. He was doing everything right, as far as I, I'm concerned. Um, but there is this tendency to to undercut the severity of any kind of a problem. And certainly, and I'm actually fine with criticism of Trump doing that. If people think that Trump should have been more uh, serious about the the COVID pandemic, okay, that's fine. I think that's a fair criticism. I don't agree with people. I think he was perfectly, um, I think he was fairly honest with the American people. Um, You can always spin things different ways. And, you know, I don't know exactly what was in Trump's mind at the time. The, the Republicans, I think, will always think the best, and the Democrats will always think the worst. Um, but if you move over to the Democrats, it's basically like this Chernobyl cover-up with every single story, right? Every single story is a Chernobyl cover-up. So if you look at what happened specifically with Hunter Biden's laptop, they immediately said, oh, no, 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 that's, a, that's fake news. That's not, that's not real. That's a, that's a Russian propaganda it wasn't Russian propaganda. That's a lie. Uh, when it comes to Biden telling the Ukraine uh, government, you, excuse me, you have to fire the, uh, what was it? The, um, what was it? The uh, state prosecutor, Victor Shokin. You have to fire this guy. And if you don't fire him, I'm not going to allow any aid money to go into Ukraine, right? He was, he was, ex- this was extortion, right? He was blackmailing them. Um, and he was using uh, he was using aid money to blackmail them, right? And that story was totally covered up by the left. Oh, there's nothing here. There's nothing. This is no, nothing bad happened, right? Um, all of the money that was given to Hunter Biden through China that was all covered up by the press. Oh, nothing to see here. The left, the left, does this with every single story. 
And I feel like this is a common tactic on the left. And if you think about what was the Soviet Union, they were the they were the sort of ultimate dream of leftists today, right? They leftists today dream for a socialist state. That's what the USSR was. This is their modus operandi. If there's something ugly about their party or about their government or about what they've done, they just cover it up. They just paint over it. No, no, nothing to see here. This is not real. You know, it's called gaslighting, right? You, you see something obviously true, and then the left-wing media says, no, there's nothing. What you're seeing is a lie. Your eyes are lying to you. That's not true. This is true. And then they pump something else at you, right? Um, yeah, anyway. So I just thought it was an interesting parallel that we find with politics today. Um, there is a natural tendency, I think, for politicians to take any kind of disaster, any kind of negative thing that's that's occurring during their uh, during their tenure in, in power and to minimize it. Um, but with the Democrats and with the Soviet Union, it goes way beyond that, right? There's not they're not just minimizing a problem that may make them look bad. They're trying to erase it, right? They're trying to to completely cover it up, completely pretend that it doesn't exist at all. And just blatantly lying, just blatantly lying to the American people, blatantly lying to the to the Russian people, or in this case, to the Ukrainian people. Um, to me, this is not, this is the worst kind of country to live in, where your government just blatantly lies to you constantly about the most dangerous things. Um, there were separate emergencies at the plant in 1984, it added. In 1983, Moscow... The Moscow leadership re revived information that the Chernobyl nuclear plant was one of the most dangerous nuclear plants in the USSR due to lack of safety equipment. So essentially, it probably should have been shut down, or they should have completely renovated it before, uh, before the disaster. Essentially, there were signs that, they, that, that some kind of disaster could happen. Uh, when a French journalist collected water and, and soil samples from the Chernobyl area after the accident in 1987 the the kgb swapped the samples for fake ones in a special operation holy crap that really is a cover-up you know another thing that they like to cover up in in uh in the democrat party is they they tend to cover up the real causes of crime and the real causes of problems that we have in our society right so black lives matter is constantly marching against cops because they're saying cops are racist okay obviously that's not true what is the truth? Why is why is it that um, so many black kids are getting shot in America? Well, it's because of other black kids, right? There's a ton of black crime in America. But, and I talked about this recently, anytime there is black crime in America, it goes unreported by the leftist news media. Why is it going unreported? Because there is this insane idea on the left. Hey, buddy. You want up? There's a sane, insane idea on the left that if that if white people hear about the, the crimes of black people, we'll all become a bunch of racists and start lynching people in the streets. This is, of course, ridiculous. But some leftists really do think that. Hey. Um, there is this weird fear. No, don't go in front of the camera. Do not go in front of the camera. Aston, you want to play with this lid of this bottle? Check it out. Look, look. Yep, there you go. Yep. <laughs> Um, yeah, and they're, they're constantly trying to say, okay, we got to get rid of your, uh, you know, 
assault rifles, right? Your 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 AR-15s. We got to get rid of them because they're causing all these deaths in America. Everybody's shooting everybody with these AR-15s. Of course, it's not true. It's handguns. Handguns are the bigger problem. Um, but the even bigger problem with that is that handguns in the hands of criminals is the bigger problem. Uh, they want to let all the criminals out of the prisons, but they ignore the fact that these people end up committing more crime after they're released. Uh, and so they like to cover up uh, the reality. They like to cover up reality because they, they don't want the, the uh, public to know what's really going on. They don't trust the public to react in the way they want them to or in a way that they feel is correct or appropriate. And so they just lie. They just lie constantly. I think that with Republicans, uh, our politicians to some degree trust us a little bit more, right? There is a kind of belief that we can handle the truth. We can handle the reality, realities of the world, and we're not going to like lose our minds. But Democrats think that the public has to be managed. And I think that that is uh, one major reason why we need to get rid of the Democrat Democrats from political office. They're, they just... You know, this is a country that's supposed to be run by the people. Democrats don't think it should be. The Soviets did not have a country that was run by the people, even though it was socialist, right? They had a country that was run by uh, the, you know, the oligarchs, these people at the very top that would just control literally everything. Uh, and that's what the Democrats want for our country. But then when, when you lie to people enough uh, about a dangerous situation, right? Um, I constantly warn people on this channel about the problems of encouraging black people in America to be racist against white people. And, and they do that all the time. They're constantly encouraging black people to be racist against white people. And they cover up any kind of crime that occurs f from black America against white America. And, and what ends up happening with that? You, know, you, you remember, you, you saw during the riots, there was just like, these are peaceful protests. Meanwhile, there's like buildings burning behind them. What ends up happening is a Chernobyl disaster. Right, you you don't see the warning signs of a great disaster if if the people who are aware of those warning signs are covering them up from you, right? That you don't ever see them. You're not aware of them. Of course, people of course people in America aren't aware of a potential explosion, a potential Chernobyl, uh, on a societal level. If the U.S. government keeps hiding things, if the media keeps hiding things, fortunately, we have certain kinds of journalists. We have certain kinds of media outlets. Um, like my own show, um, I think people like Tucker Carlson uh, help out to some degree. Uh, places like Sky News in Australia, that's a good source, Newsmax, OAN, places like this. There are certain outlets where you can get the truth about these things. Breitbart, um, I think the New York Post is doing a great job recently. Um, my friend Sebastian Gorka reports the truth. So, you, you know, it is out there. People do know. It's a little bit better known than, say, a Chernobyl disaster. But still, America is a powder keg, right? We do have a lot of problems right now that are being... Uh, America is being blinded to, most of America, right? People who watch CNN. And then something like this happens. Uh, thousands more later succumb to radiation-related illnesses, such as cancer, although the total death toll and long-term health effects remain a subject of intense debate. The present-day government in Kiev has highlighted the Soviet authorities' bungled handling of the accident in attempts to cover up the disaster in the aftermath. Okay, well, we know what happened with Chernobyl, so I'm not going to continue reading the rest of the story. But anyway, if you'd like to read the story, this is the Epoch Times. Um, and let's move on to the next story. What have we got, Chris? Well, hold on a second. Let me get to it. 
All right, I got the document open. It says, oh, Uncle Tim. Did you guys hear about this? Uncle Tim trends on Twitter following Republican Tim Scott's speech. So this was the Republican reaction to Joe Biden's speech. And these Democrats, they didn't like that Tim Scott was saying there was no racism in America or America wasn't a racist country. And so they all lost their minds and started calling him Uncle Tim, which is, of course, a reference to the concept of the Uncle Tom. The Uncle Tom in the minds of essentially racist people who don't like black people they don't agree with. Um, concept of the Uncle Tom is somebody who is a traitor to black people who, who side with the white people. Um, they're what some people call a house N. You know, back in the old days, the slave days, you used to have the slaves that did the hard labor in the fields, and then you had the house house slaves who were, uh, you know, they, they slept in nicer beds, they had more creature comforts, they were treated a little bit better, like part of the family a lot of the time, and they were considered traitors to the other slaves out in the field. Now, I don't know how often these uh, these house slaves were considered to be traitors by the slaves in the fields at the time, but they've come to be perceived that way today by some people. I think at the time, it's possible that they might have been perceived poorly, they might have been perceived well, people might have just perceived it as, well, this is the way things are, I don't know, I don't know. None of us were around back then, Um, and so it's hard to know exactly how these People in these positions were perceived all the time, but um, but anyway, they're perceived today to be you know tra- traitors to you know like as if what they should they have done murdered the people in the house and freed all the slaves on the plantation. I mean, I guess you can make that argument, but uh, they you know that would be committing murder. Uh, so a, lo- a lot of you know I don't know why I don't know why they're hated so much, but there's this idea of the Uncle Tom, which is the quintessential house slave. Uh, uh, or what's referred to as the house N by many kind of racist type leftists. Um, but anyway, so they've, they've modified this to call him uncle Tim, uncle Tim. So Tim Scott's now uncle Tim, according to racists on the left. Um, and this term has trended on Twitter. Twitter finally stopped, uh, banned this term, uh, banned this uncle Tim after uh, like a full day or something like that. Which is funny because the stuff that that comes from the right, the left complains about, is can't like stopped immediately on Twitter. I think Twitter's trying to make an effort to appear to be somewhat balanced and fair. Uh, but of course, I've done three whole videos on how they're not. Uh, I recommend checking those out. So let's go have go ahead and have a look at this. So Uncle Tim trended on Twitter after Senator Tim Scott delivered a Republican rebuttal to the to President uh, Joe Biden's address to Congress. Twitter is still out here going out of its way to make racist attacks against GOP. Uh, Senator Tim Scott uh, to make them go viral. Apparently, they want him to suffer for the crime of upstaging Joe Biden via uh, a highly effective speech. Disgusting. Uh, This is from the Federalists' Molly Hemingway. Molly Hemingway is awesome, by the way. Uh, And this comes from the Washington Examiner, by the way. Um, Okay, so... Right. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, the slur, which plays off the derogatory phrase Uncle Tom, was used by used uh, by a surge of liberals on the platform Wednesday Wednesday night to describe Scott in his speech. 
declaring the United States not a racist country. By the way, can I just say something? There is something called Black Twitter. Let me let me just show you guys here. Um, Twitter. There we go. Yeah. All right. Let's look up Black Twitter. Black Twitter. Hashtag Black Twitter. Boom. And what I found, I don't know what we're going to find on here. Um, but what I found is there's this concept of black Twitter, right? Which is like black people using Twitter, black culture, black stuff. So much of black Twitter. There's a lot of like positive, like pro-black stuff. Shout out to the black fathers influencing their kids' lives and playing a role, the role bestowed upon them. I, I agree with that. Like Gideon, I don't know who you are, but, and I don't know if I agree with your politics, but I agree with this. You know, I think this is great. Um, but there's a lot of people who... I, like this is kind of weird. I don't even know what that is. This is this is this guy saying that when a girl says her love language is physical touch, he chokes her. Okay, that's charming. Um. Uh, you know this is fine. This is just cheerleaders doing cheerleading stuff. Uh, but you find a lot of stuff on Black Twitter that's essentially like really racist against white people. Like like really really racist against white people and this is this is where you're going to find a lot of weird so i was going to do a whole video on black twitter and find some of the most egregious stuff uh let's see here see this is somebody saying that uh black twitter is destroying tim scott destroying tim scott so it's not just leftists who are going up against um up against tim scott it's Black leftists in particular, and I'm not really sure why. I think there is this weird brainwashing that occurs in uh, within the black communities from Democrats. That it's essentially like if you're not a Democrat, if you're not a uh, you know, if you're not defending Democrats and Democrat ideas, then you hate black people. Then you're a racist, right? That's the idea. Um, so. All right, let's see here. So this guy posts a lot. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Okay, so this is probably something I disagree with. Here's an example of uh, criticism of Tim Scott. Uh, I knew this man looked like somebody on TV, sounded like him too. I think this is a character from Fat Albert, uh, the old TV show from the 1970s or, or early 80s maybe. Um, I used to watch Fat Albert as a kid. I liked that show as, as a, a fun cartoon for kids. Um, I don't really remember it too well, but uh, but I but I know I did watch it a little bit because I remember the hey hey hey, you know, everyone remembers that. That was, was my age, but uh, yeah, I mean it does kind of look like Tim Scott. It's a little bit funny, but why, you know, why why be a dick? Let's see here. Okay, they're they're, they're talking about cops racially profiling black people. Uh, this is a meme talking about how. Obviously, this person disagrees with Tim Scott and is disapproving. Uh, this is a random woman in a bra. Let's see here. Embroidery biker shorts. Okay, food. All right, I don't... Okay, there's some, there's some, there's some stuff in here we don't need to see. see. This is the problem with Twitter. You can't scroll down Twitter because Twitter... All right, I'm not sure what that's going to be either. Twitter, we, the weird thing about Twitter is... Twitter allows people to post pornography. Twitter allows people to post pornography. And 
I, I don't understand that. I don't understand that because they won't allow you to post political statements they don't like, but you can post pornography because the political statements are dangerous. You know, uh, my, my buddy's uh, uh, watching the show and he's texting me. I didn't realize. Uh, <laughs> uh, my, my buddy Kurt says he has an uncle who's actually named Uncle Tom. It's his actual name is Uncle Tom. Um, let me get rid of the, the background here. What else we got? What else we got, Kurt? Let's see here. Upstaging Joe Biden is no easy feat. You need a pulse. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Um, yeah, anyway. <laughs> anyway, uh, there's, yeah. So, yeah, there's this, there's this idea that if you're not, that if you're not a leftist, then you hate black people, then you're a racist against black people. I think that's that's a terrible idea. I, I think that we need to be able to figure out ways to help everybody in America, and that doesn't include uh, uh, pledging some kind of an allegiance to a political party. Um, I, I think that if I found that the Republican Party was not was no longer effective at trying to help Americans improve their quality of life and to to, to improve our freedoms and this sort of thing, I, I would I would leave the Republican Party for sure. I think that having party allegiance is good to a point. Um, but it cannot eclipse your values, your ethics, your principles. Um, those are what's most important. So, um, yeah, there's a kind of viciousness out there on the left that we don't, we don't, I don't really see in the Republican Party. There's this idea that Republicans are all uh, these dangerous rednecks. We all like guns and we all are racist and we're all horrible. Um, I don't see that. I, I see most of the conservative party as, uh, for the most part, decent uh, people who believe in Christian values, even the ones that aren't Christian, uh, you know, there's a lot of atheists in in the in the Republican Party who are uh, libertarian, you know, more libertarian. You've got people in the Republican Party who are Muslim. You've got people in the Republican Party who are, um, I think, of every race, of every religion, um, various kinds of values. Um, it's really weird. I've actually met some people who consider themselves to be um, like pagan, pagan, or or some kind of you know, because there's a big Satanist movement amongst atheists. I don't tend to meet Satanists uh, that are in the Republican Party, but there are are some weird people who who have some kind of weird views. But uh, like Wicca, like people who are in Wicca or into witchcraft. Um, but for whatever reason, if somebody is a Republican or has moved toward the Republican side of things, usually through, if they're an atheist, usually through libertarianism, um, they're the kind of people who at least respect traditional values, right? Respect traditional values. And on the left, they're trying to destroy traditional values. They, they rail against traditional values. Traditional values goes against their, the ideas of the left, which are take a particular group, black Americans, or gay Americans, or, uh, you know, women, or whatever, whatever it is, trans, or whatever, and elevate them, improve their status in society, at the expense of whoever else might be, uh, might be punished for, you know, for this advancement of this, other, so this specific group. And namely, the 
the people that they're willing to put on the pyre in order to help out these these people are straight white people. If you're straight or you're white or you're a Christian, or especially if you're a man, uh, yeah, that that's fine. You can suffer, and we'll we'll take whatever we can from you in order to benefit this other group. That's the vision of the left, and what because they have that philosophy, um, you know, something that gets in the way of that effort is simple traditional values. Simple tra- traditional Christian values gets in the way of that effort, and so they hate traditional Christian values. And we're becoming an America, I think, that has become divided by a group that wants America to be a good place, Republicans, and a group of people that now want America to be an evil place. Uh, they want people to worship race. They want people to worship uh, sexual orientation. They want people to worship uh, the female gender as opposed to the male gender. Uh, they have these very specific things that they that they elevate in their new, what I would consider a religion, right? They're a sort of a religious cult on the left. And so we now have, you know, on our side, I think that there is a, a myriad of views. There's a, a variety of views, and we can debate each other on what the best way to move forward in America is. Um, but I think we will only expand, uh, you know, in our population on the right, because we are the only political group in America that believes in common sense and, 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 and lives in a world, at least in our minds, that's based on what's going on in the real world, whereas the left exists in a world that they've kind of invented. <laughs> uh, Kurt wants to co-host the show today, but audio only. I would do that, but I think it's going to be too difficult uh, for the audio to come through clearly on the microphone. So maybe, maybe another time when I, we could just do a Zoom call. Um, let's see here. Let's move on to the last story of the day. Now, this is, this is a sort of a... Um, okay, this is, there's two stories. One of them is a follow-up. So, but this is, the last, this is the last full story of the day. Oh, my audio. My, my uh, air conditioner just came on. It's quite hot in L.A. today, but it, I have it pretty cold here in the apartment. All right, let's see here. All right, the last full story is teacher caught saying she teaches social justice all day, every day. Um, I don't think that this is too surprising. I don't think that this is too... Uh, uh, outrageous this is basically just this is basically just how teachers teach now um so to me i'm not that shocked by it but it is a story on the daily caller and it leads to something else which i wanted to show you guys so let's go ahead and read through some of this you're on the mic in the auditorium teacher caught saying she teaches social justice all day every day so we can kind of see here a little bit of an insight into how these like leftists leftist academics uh, talk about what they're doing. They they obviously know that what they're doing isn't necessarily um, appropriate because they're talk they're talking they're singling it out as something that is um, that is worthy of note, right? And and if you're just teaching what you should be teaching, it's not worthy of note. I mean, I don't think there's teachers that go, well, "What'd you teach today?" Well, you're not going to believe this. I teach history, right? American history. Thought about the, Re- the Revolutionary War. Isn't that crazy? Oh my. Thought about the Revolutionary War, guys. Oh, I know. I love teaching about the Revolutionary War. It was so great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We teach the- Nobody would talk about that because that's normal, right? That's, that's what you would expect. There's nothing abnormal about it. But even amongst radical leftists, 
teaching about social justice is something that they realize is a little bit weird or maybe inappropriate. So it's worthy of note in some way or another, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll see here what they're doing. So um, I don't want to read the article. I just want to play for you the audio. So it's going to be very hard to see. She's up in this corner here. I'll try to blow it up, but let's watch. Hey, Gina, are you teaching at Roosevelt this semester? Yes, Ralph, I am. Great. What are you teaching? Mm -hmm. I'm teaching middle school um, theory and practice, basically. Excellent. Yeah, it's quite wonderful. I love the university. I, I just do. Uh, I have to say, I do too. Yeah, it's a great place. I'm, I'm so glad you're there too. You fit in so well with their, you know, the university's philosophy and mission, right? I mean, it's all social justice all day, every day. I get to talk about all the things I love all the time. All day, every day. All day, all day in the day gig, all, all night in my night classes, when I'm here. Like, I mean, really, I'm living the life over here. Yeah, I always flip out the kids that take my master's class on fiscal policy and public budgets when the first three or four classes are devoted to philosophy of social justice and how you organize society. We don't talk about one you know, budgetary item, they're like, oh man, Professor Martiri, this is a really weird way to teach a budget. <laughs> you know, it's part of everything, right? What a foundation. If you don't understand your values, you can't allocate resources among public priorities that are scarce, but all needed, right? All right. So anyway, you kind of get the idea. These these people are sort of laughing about how ha 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 we're brainwashing kids. Ha 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 ha. Uh, we got to talk about what we want to talk about. Look, being a teacher isn't about pushing your own social uh, your own social agenda, your own political agenda. That should not be what being a teacher is. Right? Being a teacher should be about teaching the truth, teaching facts, not teaching social policy um, that you want. That is that is very obviously um you know something that is that is disputed right you should if you're going to teach something that's disputed you say this is disputed you don't say this is definitely true just because i believe it and i want to believe it um they, these people know that this is that this is disputed stuff that this is not uh, so cut and dry this is not just fact um but let's go ahead and look at i think a much more egregious example of something so this is another college. This is a Cypress College in California. At least that's what I read somewhere. Um, and this is a, a university professor who is arguing with a student emotionally. Obviously, she's like very emotional about this, right? She's she's distraught that this that this student disagrees with her. But that's what colleges are for, right? I mean, actually, one of my favorite university uh, professors was a communist, an open communist. And the reason he was one of my favorite professors is because Dis, uh, despite the fact that he was openly communist, he encouraged people to disagree with him, right? He was an American. He believed in, you know, what he believed, and he thought that students had a right to express their ideas. So he believed in free speech, which I loved. And we used to have lunch sometimes and stuff. He was, a, he was a good guy. But a lot of my university professors pretended that they were not communists, right? They pretended that they were uh essentially just your, your sort of typical American capitalist Democrat, which I, I was in school in like the early 2000s. So back then, you know, not every single teacher proclaimed that they were a communist. This is, this is, this is back when that was still considered to be a, 
bit of a bit shocking that somebody would consider themselves a communist. Um, but yeah, I had teachers who would give me, I had one teacher who gave me bad grades because I disagreed with him in class. N- not even a joke. And, um, but this teacher, this, this teacher who proclaimed that he was a communist, he encouraged us to disagree with him and to make our cases. And the great thing about that class was, I think I probably won every single debate that we ever had in class between the two of us. And he didn't care. <laughs> he was actually fine with it um, because there was open dialogue. And I remember one point, <clears throat> um, he had he had presented a particular case, and I said, and I raised my hand and I said, you, this is very early on in the class, and I said, you know, everything that you've just said, you sound like you believe in communism. You sound like a communist. And at the time, because it was still sort of like, you know, I mean, people considered that to be a a bit shocking everybody in my class let out kind of an audible ooh <laughs> chris just called the professor a communist and um the teacher went yeah what's wrong with that <laughs> everybody in the class went oh you know it was kind of it was a pretty funny thing pretty funny moment um but unlike other teachers who will preach socialist ideas and communist ideas, he admits that they're communist ideas. He would admit that they're communist ideas. Most of my teachers would preach communist ideas and they wouldn't admit it. He would admit it, which I respected a lot more. Um, and we could have an open debate about it. And I, and I destroyed him on every point because you know, it's, it's tough in college because in college, most people don't really know about politics. They don't really know about what communism is. They don't really know about any of that stuff. So when I'm sitting there in class... And I'm listening to the teachers. I was able to decode what they were doing a lot easier than most of the, the students were. I, I don't know why I was into that kind of stuff, but, you know, whatever. I knew about it. And uh, and you can defeat somebody's argument if you know what they're saying. Because then you can call them out on their little tricks and their lies and their and their schemes and stuff like that. With this guy, I didn't have to do that because he was open about it. Anyway, enough about my time in college. Um, so here's what I I don't like college professors generally because I think that they are smug a-holes. I mean, think about it. If you're in a class where you're teaching a particular subject and you know more than anyone else in that class, they're taking the class to learn from you. You are essentially a god, right? Like you are all-knowing and they know nothing, right? And so you can abuse that power or you can, with some humility, recognize that you are not, in fact, a god. You're just a flawed human like the rest of us. And go about teaching it, teaching the the course with some humility and respect for the students. And I did have some teachers like that in university, but and I have I've been a teacher by the way, and and when I was teaching, I I did teach that way with humility, humility, and I I respected the students. But um, I would say when I was in school, this was like probably one out of ten professors showed some kind of respect to the students. I mean, it was awful. I hate university professors. I hate their smugness, and I hate their willingness to exploit their position. But with that said, let's watch this video of this tyrannical, well, I'm just going to say it, tyrannical bitch. Uh, And uh, you can tell me for yourself what you think about her, guys. Um, Let me change the audio here. Right. So uh, you brought up the police in your speech a few times. Um, So what is your, like, what is your main concern? 
since I mean, help. honestly, the whole reason police, I mean, it, it, it is systemic. The issue is systemic because the whole reason we have police departments in the first place, where did it stem from? What's our history going back to what Jeremy was talking about? What, where it was, what does it stem from? It stems from people in the South wanting to capture runaway slaves. Maybe they shouldn't be heroes. Maybe they don't belong on a kid's show. Uh, so I disagree with the what Jeremy, Jeremy said about it because uh, I think cops are heroes and they have to have a difficult job, but we have to have that All of fine them? life. Oh, I, I'm not. I mean, I'd say uh, a good majority of them. You have bad people in every business and every yeah, part. Yeah. Well, wait, a wait, lot wait, of wait, wait, police wait. officers have committed atrocious crimes and have gotten away with it and have never been convicted of any of it. And, and they, I think for the person who has family members who are police officers. Yes, I, I, I understand. Um, and this is what I believe. This is my opinion. And this is, you know, not popular to say, but uh, I do support our police and we have bad people and the people that do bad things should be brought to justice. I agree with that. But I think that uh, say I'm saying it again. They haven't. Well, I agree with you on that point of they should, right? Okay, so what is and your bottom line point? You're saying police officers should be revered, viewed as heroes? They I, belong I on TV shows with children? That's I think they are happen. heroes in a sense because they come to your need and they come and help you. And they have a problem just like every other business, but we should fix that. But I think they're, they're heroes. Well, they're I think that's the problem. All right, so I love this. This guy is so reasonable. This guy is so rational. This guy is making so much sense. He's so balanced. He's not even telling her, you know, that she's an idiot and that she's wrong. She is an idiot. She is wrong. Um, but he's saying, look, you know, you got to take it as it is. You're going to have some bad eggs everywhere. It doesn't necessarily mean that the entire group of them are bad people, right? Which is essentially what this woman is saying. Um, but what struck me as particularly crazy about what she's saying is that she's saying that the the American police force in its entirety was developed in order to free, to to capture escaped slaves. What the hell is she talking about? Okay, first of all, that's just not true. All right. we, you had police officers in America before, you know, in the North where where slavery was illegal. I mean, it's not like. It's not like in places where slavery was illegal, you didn't have police. You, you always had police. You had police in Europe before slavery was ever a thing. Uh, you know, black slavery of Africans. Uh, uh, slavery of... of uh, before slavery of Africans was ever a thing in, in Europe, they had police. You know, you always had police. You always had police. I think even in, like, primitive societies... Uh, uh, there's always some some people who are there that are supposed to like enforce the rule of law, right? Um, I've done a bit of studying on European history and when the number of murders was reduced significantly in Europe. Uh, and before before capital punishment was widely um, used in order to um, strictly uh, enforce the law. You had widespread murder. You, you had a lot of murder. You had high, high rates of murder. And then the Europeans figured out, okay, if we will employ capital punishment for you know, a variety of offenses, 
it'll basically scare the crap out of everybody and they'll stop committing horrible crimes. And it worked, right? Capital, capital punishment solved that problem. Um, as we have developed into more sophisticated society and, you know, you know, murder has declined significantly. Um, we've stopped having to use capital punishment as much as a deterrent. But initially that was really what deterred people from committing crimes. And it brought us into an era of humanity in which people just don't commit crimes that much, right? You just don't get the levels of criminality that you got um, or the, the level of, I guess, violence that you got in, um, in Europe, you know, hundreds of years ago. Um, but with, with that kind of strict legal system came the need for police force. And I think, but, but I think even before that, you would have had judges, you would have had, you know, the chief of a tribe might uh, cast judgment on people and, and, determine what their the consequences of a particular crime would be you certainly had laws in every society in the world um even in ancient times so this idea that police is somehow developed as a means to catch escaped slaves that's just a complete fantasy and i think that comes from the netflix documentary there's this netflix documentary that came out a little while ago about the carceral state right which is what the left calls basically police officers and the judiciary the judicial system the judiciary system, which I can never pronounce. Uh, there's this idea that the that the police and the judicial system are created to sort of perpetuate slavery in a legal way, right? So in some places you can get cheap or very very cheap or free labor from um, criminals that you know are in prison prisoners, and they're like, oh, this is just like slavery. This is just like slavery. Uh, and so because so many black people are in prison, they're making this parallel between the slave days and today. They're saying, oh, because in the slave days, you would just take slaves and make them work for you. Now you're taking black people uh, and making them work for you in the prison system, which is the same thing. Um, but it isn't actually the same thing because you don't you have a choice of, about whether or not you want to go to prison. Certainly some people are are unjustly. Uh, imprisoned, but it's fairly rare. I mean, the whole system is basically set up to stop people committing crimes. They get put into prison, and then, there, of course, there's, you know, that could be dealt with, this idea that prisoners work for very little money or something like that. That can be, I, I, that could be looked at. I have no problem with that. But this idea that that's the purpose of the justice system, that's the purpose of police, I mean, that's completely insane. This woman is lying to her cla her, her students. And I don't know how we can conscience a, a, a university professor going around teaching students something that is demonstrably false, that is obviously untrue. I mean, this woman needs to lose her job. You cannot teach students things that are false. I mean, we can't send kids into the world. And this is the problem. This is why you have people at Twitter who will ban you for saying something that's true, because they work under this these um, fundamental mis misperceptions of reality, right? This woman's probably one of those people that think 10,000 black unarmed black men are killed every year by police. She's probably one of those. And she's sitting there teaching classes. I mean, certainly police are there to stop people from committing crimes, right? That, that's, that's what police are, are there for. Or, or to arrest people after they've committed crimes, really. I mean, that's the one, the one thing that's a bit of a shame about the world is that we have no way of predicting crimes. And so 
you know, I, I actually think probably um, Minority Report world would actually probably be good a good thing. Um, Minority Report is obviously a. Uh, let's see, Frank, my buddy Kurt says the media is to blame. They treat police officers doing their job as an offense to minorities, while at the same time refusing to report on minorities murdering their own people. That's exactly right. Couldn't have said it better myself. In fact, it was said so well that I want to finish discussing this story. Um, we all know universities are lame and they teach wrong things. Um, we all know not every cop is a hero, but a lot of cops are heroes. And to deny them that status, I think, is not only wrong, but delusional. Um, a lot of cops are heroic and do heroic things. Um, a lot of cops are a-holes, too. I mean, you've got good and bad people in all you know, in all aspects of life. This is what this kid was saying. Oh, look at that. Look how beautiful I am. I've got like a halo. It's like God is blessing the channel. I I shouldn't say stuff like that. It's a little (laughs) probably blasphemous, but it does look cool, right? looks cool. All right, guys, uh, let's move on to the next story. This is the last story of the day. This is actually a follow-up, sort of an extra story. Um, Hold on. I need to find my paper here. There we go. Um, All right. It's... (laughs) this is kind of funny lady gaga has got her dogs back this is fantastic everybody can be very happy now because lady gaga has got her dogs back so uh let me go to this story hold on so lady gaga i don't know if you guys remember this i reported on this earlier lady gaga um has a has like an assistant right uh i think he's a gay he's a gay white guy or something I, i don't remember Lady, let me look this guy. Lady Gaga assistant. Assistant. There we go. Probably Lady Gaga ass is probably not the thing I want to look up. Uh, Okay, so there's a girl here. Let me see who the dog walker is. Okay. Dog. Dog walker. Okay. So what's this guy's name? Hold on. Let me just look look his name up. That's not the right story. Ryan Fisher, Ryan Fisher, Ryan Fisher, Ryan. There we go. All right, let's get a picture of this guy. Okay, so this is the dude. This is the dude. Um, I think he's. I think he's gay. Maybe he's not. But anyway, so this is him in the hospital after getting shot by these gangbangers. So this is her assistant that walks walks her dogs. Right. And uh, then, then, her, then she puts out a reward for these guys that almost murdered this poor guy. Puts out a reward for her dogs for five hundred thousand dollars, no question. So, like, she's basically like, if you stole my dogs and shot my dog walker guy, I don't really care about the dog walker. I just care about the dog. So, bring back the dogs. I'll give you five hundred thousand dollars. That's what Lady Gaga said. All right. So, <laughs> so this woman goes to the police station to return the dogs. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see here. Let's see here. So, um, so this old, old lady comes by. She's like in her fifties, I guess. Let me just read this. So the woman who returned Lady Gaga's stolen French bulldogs was among five people arrested in connection with the theft and shooting of the music superstar's dog walker. Los Angeles, uh, Los Angeles police said Thursday. Uh, detectives do not believe that the thieves initially knew that the dogs belonged to the pop star. Yeah, they just... See, I, I mentioned this in my story. I 
in my the, the story when I covered this, I speculated that these people had no idea that this is Lady Gaga's dogs, and the reason is because these purebred dogs are actually worth so much money that criminals have figured this out, right? Gangbangers and stuff they figured out that they, these are worth money, and so they'll they'll steal them and then resell them because they're worth like thousands of bucks. So they know that they can just steal these dogs. In, they go to rich neighborhoods, sh- steal the dogs, and then resell them. And they actually shot and tried to kill this guy just to get the damn dog. It's a weird business to be in, but this is a business that gangs have figured out they can make money on this, right? Um, and they didn't know it was Lady Gaga's dogs. Um, but when they figured out it was Lady Gaga's dogs, they sent this woman this older woman, to return them to get this $500,000 reward. Um, but yeah, so so I was right. So they didn't know that it was, according to detectives, they didn't know it was Lady Gaga's dogs. Uh, the motive for the robbery, investigators believe, was the value of French bulldogs. Thank you. That's what I said. Which can run in the thousands of dollars. The dog walker, Ryan Fisher, is recovering from the gunshot wound. He, he has called the violence a very close call with death in social media posts. He was walking Lady Gaga's three dogs named Asia, Koji, and Gustav. Somehow that sounds like exactly what I would imagine Lady Gaga's dogs are called. In Hollywood, just off the famed Sunset Boulevard, uh, when he was attacked. I used to hang out there. I used to have a friend, I used to have a friend who would house sit for this girl who was being paid. So, yeah, Hollywood's a weird place, guys. And there was this house in the Hollywood Hills. I had a friend who used to who used to stay at this house. Uh, and it was probably near where Lady Gaga lives. Hollywood Hills. And it was this big mansion. Beautiful house. One of the most beautiful places I've ever been in my life. And it was a place that had been bought or was being rented out by a guy for this... Russian model and the Russian model lived in the house but the guy was like married to somebody else and had another house somewhere else he was just super rich so he rented this house out specifically for his mistress and I didn't know the mistress but I knew the girl that used to house sit for her so when she'd go off back to Russia or to Europe or wherever she was kind of famous I think my friend would house sit for her and then she would call up some of her friends and be like hey I'm staying at this house if you want to come hang out and so I just hang out at this mansion in the Hollywood Hills sometimes with a bunch of, bunch of random Russian girls sitting by the pool and stuff. I, at the time, I was really poor, but I was a lot skinnier <laughs> and, and better looking. And so I'm just sitting there by the pool, and I'm hanging out with all these Russian girls. And one of them turns to me one day, and she goes, you know, you need to get rich. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? She goes, she goes you, you are a perfect man. Like, you're very charming. You're very funny. You're very handsome. But you're very poor. No woman will ever want you. You're too poor. <laughs> I was like, thanks. Yeah, I'm I'm aware that I'm poor. I would I, I'm you know, I'm not doing this on purpose, you know. And she's like, No, but if you had even if you had like a little money, you could get like any girl you want. You should just make some money. I'm like, Yeah, yeah, just that just like that, huh? That easy. Okay, I'll just do that. Um Yeah, it was pretty funny. It was a great backhanded compliment. One of the best backhanded compliments I ever got. But uh anyway, yeah, that was fun. So I used to stay up I used to like hang out up here where where Lady Gaga lives. It is actually a very safe neighborhood if it's not being um if it's not being uh if, if gangbangers aren't rolling through and trying to kill you for your dogs. It's actually a very nice neighborhood. 
Um, so video from the doorbell camera of a nearby home shows a white sedan pulling up and two men jumping out. They struggled with Fisher and pulled a gun and fired a single shot before fleeing with two of the dogs, Koji and Gustav. The video capture, captured Fisher's screams of, oh my God, I've been shot, help me, and I'm bleeding out from my chest. Uh, Lady Gaga offered $500,000 reward, no questions asked, to be reunited with the dogs. The singer had been at uh, in Rome at the filming of a movie. The dogs were returned two days later to an LAPD station by a woman who originally appeared to be uninvolved and unassociated with the crime, police initially said. The woman identified Thursday as 50-year-old Jennifer McBride had reported that she'd found the dogs and responded to an email address associated with the reward, police said. Yeah, sure. Yeah, this is... This this should be on, like... You know, they used to have this show Dumb Criminals or something like that, or... Yeah, anyway. Stupid Criminals, or... Essentially, people who are morons who don't know how to... Yeah, if you're going to find somebody to return the dogs, you genuinely need to find somebody who is totally unaffiliated with you. You know, somebody who you can trust, but who you don't, you know, isn't like your mom or something like that, right? McBride turned out to be in a relationship with the father of one of the suspects, the LAPD uh, said Thursday. This was not immediate... It was not immediately clear if she had received the reward... Police arrested James Jackson, 18, Jalen White, 19, and Lafayette Whaley, Wally, I'm not really sure how to pronounce his last name, 27, in connection with the violence. James Jackson, Jalen White, and Lafayette Wally, Whaley, something like that. You know what they sound like? White supremacists. I bet this is Trump's fault somehow. Let's see here. They are charged with attempted murder, conspiracy to commit robbery, and second-degree robbery, according to the Los Angeles County District Attorney's Office. Jackson, who authorities say was the shooter, also faces charges of assault with a semi-automatic firearm and a, and a felon carrying a concealed firearm in a vehicle. You know what they could do? They could they could ban AR-15s, and then this would never have happened. Because criminals always obey the law. We know that, right? And also, they all used AR-15s. They didn't, but let's just pretend they did, because that's what the Democrats want. Okay, let's see here. Um, basically, the point I'm trying to make is, if you ban AR-15s, it will do nothing, and these are not white supremacists, and everything the left says is wrong. Okay, white faces one count of assault by means of force likely to produce great bodily injury. Well, they got a lot of laws about shooting people. Let's see here. White's father, 40-year-old Harold White. You know what will probably happen? Because we have Gascon as our district attorney here in Los Angeles. They'll probably be let out. They'll probably never even be prosecuted. <laughs> because George Gascon is a lunatic. Let's see here. Who's, uh, who's White's father, 40-year-old Harold White, and Mc, he's my, I'm the same age as him. That's funny. And McBride were arrested and accused of being accessories to the attack. The elder White... Elder? Jeez was also charged with one count of possession of a firearm, and McBride faces charges of receiving stolen property. Jackson, w Wally, and the Whites are all documented gang members, according to the LAPD. Those white supremacists and their gangs. The five suspects were scheduled to be arranged Thursday, according to the Los Angeles County District Attorney's Office. It was not immediately clear if they, uh, if they had attorneys who could speak on their behalf. All five are being held on a million dollars bail each online record show. I'm surprised we even have bail here in, in, in L.A., I'm, I'm surprised we didn't go the way of uh, New York already. Lady Gaga did not immediately address the uh, arrests on her social media accounts Thursday afternoon. Fisher and Lady Gaga's representatives did not respond to any requests for comment. 
Um, all right. So that's exciting. Lady Gaga's got her dogs back. When I originally reported this story, I always thought it was funny that she cared more about her dogs than this guy, which is like, of course she does. She's a freaking Hollywood person. Anyway, all right, that's it for the news. We are done, and I would love to hear from you guys. If you have any questions or comments, it looks like we have one super chat, but I can't find it, so I'm sorry, dude, but I'm not going to read it. But if you want to write at Toxic Space Masculinity, capital T, capital M, uh, hopefully I will be able to find it and, and, and read it. It's at Toxic space masculinity, not underscore space. All right, let's see. Frank James writes, both poor and fat. Poor guy. I was not fat. I was not fat. I was very skinny and hot, and then I got rich and fat. <laughs> and by rich, I mean I can afford to eat. That's my, that's my definition of rich. When you're very poor, it's a very low bar for rich. Let's see here. Um... Uh, okay, let's see. I can't, I, yeah, there's not a lot of, you guys aren't saying a lot of stuff, so I might just end the show. Let's hear, Binary Recoil writes, um, news redacted tonight. Started running the uh, slace, slace Police angle around 18 months ago. I don't have any idea what you're saying. Sorry, I don't I don't know what that means. All right. Uh, Frank James also writes, ironic, the left is more likely to live in turf. Get it? Because it's imaginary. Yeah, that's exactly right. Hey, actually, guys, guys, um, I'm putting out a new epic of turf story. I, is people, somebody asked me for it the other day, and just by total coincidence, um, just by total coincidence, there was a news story about... Rachel Maddow freaking out about the new Arizona audit. And I'm like, you know, I can't really report this in the way that I want to report it because YouTube will, will like delete it. So I'm like, oh, you know, how I'm going to have to do this as an Epic of Turth story. So it just so happened there was a story I needed to do as Epic of Turth and somebody had complained uh, that I hadn't uh, uh, done it. Shout out to Aston, says David Crawford. Aston is, well, he was sleeping there. I guess he's gone upstairs or something like that. Aston, where are you, buddy? I don't see him. I don't know. He's around. Somebody says hi. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Jeff Beal says, how do you feel about the Biden? <laughs> the Biden. I forgot about that. Uh, the Biden trying to tell us that we need to get, we'll all get vaccinated. Look, I think encouraging Americans to get vaccinated is a good thing, but requiring Americans to get vaccinated is a tyrannical thing. Uh, and, uh, um, you know, a lot of the stuff that they're doing to try to require Americans to be vaccinated, I think, is a problem. I just read recently that the European Union is not going to let Americans into the European Union unless they've been vaccinated. That's a problem for me because I was planning to go to Europe this uh, this fall. And so I don't know what I'm going to do about that. I have to work that out because I don't want to get the vaccine. And you guys might think, oh, you, if you don't want to get a vaccine, that means you don't think it's safe. Not not really. I do think the vaccine is safe. I, I do trust it. Valeria is a little bit more skeptical than I am. Um, but because Valeria and I have gone for so long without having caught the coronavirus, and because we have traveled so much, and we visited so many people, and we've been to so many parties, and we've been to so many events, we kind of think that maybe we had it in 2019. Because LA was like the first region to get COVID, uh, and then it went away. 
Uh, it didn't. Sorry, it didn't go away. But um, we think that we got COVID, and then we became immune to it. Um, but you only have antibodies for so long. So even though I had an antibody test in early 2000, uh, 2020, it didn't show up. I, I, it didn't show up as positive. So it looked like I had never had COVID. But they say that your your antibodies only last in your body in in like um, in a significant in significant numbers for like a little while, and then they go away. But you always have that. Uh, uh, you always have a defense in your system encoded so that if you are attacked by that virus again, you will produce antibodies again and destroy it. So it could be that we have an immunity to, to COVID already. And if we have an immunity, even if there's a very, very slight risk of some kind of negative reaction to the, to the vaccine, why take the risk if we're already, uh, we're already immune. So because we suspect that we're already immune to COVID, I, I'm, I'm not going to take, take it. It's not to say I don't trust it. It's not to say I think it's bad. Um, I'm just trying to be rational about this. I don't think we can, I think that we have an immunity to it. We've been, we've run the gauntlet so much. I mean, at the beginning we wanted to catch COVID because Valeria wanted to continue to be able to work and we're relatively young and healthy. So we thought, you know, it'll just be, it won't be that severe. We'll get over it. Then she can go work again. And she, you know, she, she, she can say, well, I have an immunity to it. So I don't have to worry about it again. But we, we could never catch it. We could never catch it. Rightful King of the Pole says, uh, when are things going to stop being insane? Do you think the world, the world will ever be normal again like it was in the 90s? Well, that's the thing. Um, I don't know. I, I think that we, you know, you, you, it's such a good question. You, make, you, you actually made me pause and think. It's such a good question. I, I think that we have figured out in our society that there are so many resources to go around. There are so many resources that can be distributed that, you know, in, in terms of like people who have a problem or have an issue that we need to support, that we need to help out, you know, because the, the, we have a kind of welfare state in America, right? We have, we have so much excess money and resources uh, in America now, that we have to decide how to divvy it up. And there's always going to be people who say, I'm a victim, I need that stuff, whatever that is, right? And beyond the excess resources that we have, that we, that we take in taxes, there's also the excess resources that we have that we give in charity. And so every, there, there will always be people who pretend to be victims in order to, to prey upon people who want to give to charity. There will always be people that pretend to be victims in order to take money from the welfare state. There's always going to be people who play victim to get free stuff and to be, and also to get attention and all this kind of stuff. So will that will, so to some degree, this is normal. I think in the nineties we had this in the eighties, we had this, um, as well, it's just it just become more of a science than than an art now, right? Like people have sort of like sports. It used to be that people would have innate athletic ability. They would practice. They would become better, and then they would become like you know professional tennis player or something like that. Now we have sports science, right? We've turned all this into a science. So now we can take people with innate ability. Not only do they practice, but they practice correctly. You know they they. They take video of, of their performance and then they create, you know, they alter things just like a little teeny bit here, a little teeny bit there. They take all the right drugs. They take all the right supplements. They take all the right, you know, they eat all the right food. And so now everything's down to a science. And I think that we're taking vi uh, the whole phenomenon of the, you know, 
victim being a victim as a benefit, right? And we're taking that from something that is just um, is a kind of performance art that people have enjoyed for since the beginning of time. Uh, oh, I'm a victim, I'm a victim, help me, be nice to me, oh, I'm a victim, I'm a victim. Now it's becoming a science, right? People are starting to figure out, it's a business, right? It, it's sort of, it's kind of like extortion. We're, you, we're extorting people based on them feeling bad. Oh, do you feel bad? Do you want to make the world a better place? Well, then you should give me money because I'm oppressed, right? And they're kind of figuring out exactly what the key words are, exactly how they need to do it in order to steal from people. So this is all one big con. Will this ever get better? I don't think so. I think it's just going to get worse and worse and worse forever because people are going to get better and better and better at conning people. It's becoming something that's a kind of organized, loosely organized kind of thing now. I mean, look at Black Lives Matter. They collected a reported $90 million last year. It was obviously a lot more than that. The woman who started Black Lives Matter, she's gotten paid just an insane amount of money for her books. She's got a Netflix deal. I think she, I don't know how much money she's been able to get from other uh, sources, but I think she's probably got millions and millions of dollars from a variety of sources. You know, she bought all those houses. Um, she clearly doesn't mind investing in the capitalist system, despite the fact she says she's a communist. So it's a great question, right, for King of the Poles. I don't think it'll get better. I think it'll get worse. The 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 way that we fix it is we combat it and we 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 um, we educate people to recognize it for what it is. Unfortunately, the school system, like as I talked about earlier in the show promotes it as valid it promotes this stuff as valid you know they're saying oh you know no no black people are victims gays are victims women are victims we need to believe these people believe her you know black lives matter you know all this crap that they keep telling us oh yeah yeah, no no, no. the society is systemically racist you know so they're creating a system that facilitates the con right facilitates con artists so we now have a, a criminal class that's able to con people out of their money and they're able to do it with the assistance, you know, they're being facilitated by this whole organization. You know, there's so many people that make money off of this. Um, you know, you can be a college professor now basically by saying white people are evil. That's now, you know, a credential that can be used. It's just ridiculous. Um, all right. I think people are getting a little bit sick and tired of me and I'm getting sick and tired of me too. So we're going to end the show here and tomorrow we will have... Hopefully, we'll have Valeria back. She hasn't written me, so I don't think she's watching the show. But I'll ask her. Maybe she'll be back. Maybe she won't. I think she's supposed to work again tomorrow, but it might be a short day. So we'll see. Anyway, until then, it's always awesome talking to you guys. I always love to hear what you guys have to say. Interesting news day. Hopefully, tomorrow will be the same. All right. Until then, good night. Toxic masculinity.